got these great passages that we just read through where Jesus is telling us that he expects our life to bear this kind of fruit, to exhibit these kinds of behaviors. So bearing fruit on the tree, exhibiting behaviors of influence, salt, and light in our passage, our cortex. I'm using the word expects intentionally. He expects it. He certainly equips us for it. He's the source that we can't muscle through it. It's not a behavior modification program, but he calls it out and says, these are the ways you should behave as disciples of mine. Welcome back to Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and today we begin week three of our series focusing on the Sermon on the Mount. For those of you just joining us, this series is different in that it will run eight weeks and have five daily episodes to help you study Jesus's words in greater depth. If you would like the study material, past episodes, more information on this series, or any of the other resources we provide, you can find them all on our website, studywithfriends.org. Okay, day five, week three, talking still about salt and light. And one of the words we've been using throughout this week of study is influence. And I think it's an appropriate word from the text because uh, we're talking about how to be a practical Christian, how disciples of Christ practically behave. And we've cited a lot of examples of what that might look like, boots on the ground in your life. But I also think it's really useful because culturally we have an idea of what an influencer is. And I'd like to reclaim that word just in this space to say, um, Christian influence is really laid out in the core text that we're looking at this week and certainly in the Sermon on the Mount. So I'd like to start by reading two passages. So our core text is Matthew 5, 13 to 16, the passage on salt and light inside the context of the Sermon on the Mount. But as we begin to walk down the road of how we use our influence, I'd like to read a couple of what I think are partnering passages. So Kathy, would you read Matthew 7, 17 to 20? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. And Marilyn, would you please read Matthew twelve thirty three? Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Matthew twelve thirty three. Tell me what you think these two tree passages are doing. Let me not let me not say, you say. One of the things that I tried to memorize, because I know this is gonna be a theme throughout all of these episodes, is that I don't memorize well. One of the things I memorized for a short time was Psalm one. Mm-hmm. And Psalm one, the tree is by the stream of water, and the roots are in the water. And the imagery is of the word being right your planet by the stream and the stream is the word and so the word is getting into the roots and it's developing this gorgeous tree which and then in turn develops fruit so it comes from the base so everything comes from down underneath and that's that's what makes it sprout fruit from what you're getting down deep in the ground is what develops this beautiful fruit mm-hmm. that we can eat and we can enjoy so how does the metaphor of the tree compared to the metaphor of salt and light. And is there any way that one helps you deepen an understanding of the, of the other? 
Uh, sure. I definitely think they're connected. I think that uh, you can't be salt and light without the source of salt and light, which in the last episode we talked about the source is Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the same thing where the stream would be Jesus. And so the fruit develops from the, sh- so it's always developing from the stream. So he uses this imagery to create pictures of the outward comes from the inward. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is the, what develops the inward, which pours out into the outward. Yeah. The source. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What other comparisons do you see between the tree passages and the salt and light passages? I just had an epiphery, as Michael <laughs> Scott would say, <laughs> when we were talking about like the, you know, uses of salt and how it is used in like the soil as a fertilizer. And that made me think trees need fertilizer to grow. So like the salt Ooh, a little, is helping us to A little mashup. That's good. Marilyn, anything that you saw in these two passages that might be similar or different? Well, similarity wise, I just thought, you know, that we need to be salty salt. We need to be good salt. And if we aren't, it shows. And it's the same thing with our fruit. If we're not a good tree, our fruit's not going to be good. So what can happen that makes our tree good and bad? Because your passage says, therefore, make the tree good. Well, fertilization, water. And as Kathy um, talked about Psalm 1, that the word being what nourishes us uh, as the stream. And that's that. And um, let's see, (laughs) what other fertilization? Well, something that just came to me was what about like dealing with damage? So Mm -hmm. if the river is polluted, that would affect Mm -hmm. all of the things growing from that source. So I'm I'm just thinking of this now. Is there anything that you can speak into on that? Like if there's damage to your tree, if there's brokenness in your organism, whether it's you, your salt, your light, your tree, we're talking about positive, like stay on the path, do the good things, follow Jesus, stay in fellowship. Good, all true. But what about dealing with the brokenness and the damage and fixing that? Pruning. We need to prune out what's not good or what's dead or let god prune it mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. recognizing what's dead which reminds me of salt being a preservative to to defeat decay i'm just noodling here i'm and not even recognizing even. your source so if you're so you you know you use the analogy or the the imagery of a polluted stream right so this means is our source polluted mm-hmm. right when we come to the word are we coming to it in an honest open way where we're listening to what he says in his word or are we coming to the word or are we spending our time listening to what somebody else says good bad and different there's good and there's not as good yeah. out there preaching what some would consider the same from the same book yeah so are we you know what does our source look like yeah that's so good i had a friend who had i i think we have all maybe we all know some people who have church heart mm-hmm I have a friend who had a radical redemption from legalism in the church. And she really had to just reconstruct her whole faith system. And so I think there's there's something to be said for how the source could get polluted. And actually, later in the Sermon on the Mount, it talks about false teachers, so we'll deal with that. But that was a really good foreshadowing and a really good call out. Thank you for that. Speaking of fruit, Caitlin, can you read Galatians 5, 22 and 23? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So what is, why, why, did, why do you think that I wove that in? 
I feel like that's a very Christian staple. Um, the fruits of the spirit. I remember I used to have them memorized as a child. <laughs> and those are the fruits that we should be looking for on our trees and keeping track of those. And let's say our love isn't, you know, prospering the way that it should. You know, we can look into that and lean into God to find a way to, you know, have that fruit not be rotten anymore. Yeah. And that goes to your self-awareness that you were talking about. I want to ask a question and I'm going to ask it in two parts. So first I want to ask the secular, you just said, you know, that, that we got this great list. We've got these great passages that we just read through where Jesus is telling us that he expects our life to bear this kind of fruit, to um, exhibit these kinds of behaviors. So bearing fruit on the tree, exhibiting behaviors of influence, salt and light in our passage, our cortex. I'm using the word expects intentionally. He expects it. He certainly equips us for it. We've talked about that at length, that um, he's the source, that we can't muscle through it. It's not a behavior modification program. But he calls it out and says, these are the ways you should behave as disciples of mine. Okay. So I love the Galatians passage because it's, I mean, we've talked about this. I love a list. Just like give me a list, you know? <laughs> so... And I did memorize them. One year um, I was in mops and it was the theme for the whole year. So I had a whole year to do it. Um, but their love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are just admirable qualities. And we talked yesterday and, and all throughout about how we have to continue to, to point people back to Christ when we display those qualities. Okay, now I've built the foundation. What are some ways that the, um, the secular culture creates an environment where we feel like we, or we're tempted to fake our fruit production? Okay, what do I mean by fake fruit production? Tell me what I mean by that. Like faking my fruit. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, some of my biggest complaints, which sounds terrible, is that a lot of times I'm in room with Christians and they're all just really nice. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but is there depth? Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, so judgy. So please <laughs> bear with me. I just me. like that you're real. So don't even, you <laughs> right. don't have to keep even. But that's it. But that, and, and I say, well, they, yeah, it's great. They're really nice. I don't know anything about them, but they're really, really nice. And I know that there is a piece of us that we want to look nice to people mm -hmm. because we want people to think Jesus is nice. Right. So that's what I mean by faking it. Yeah. Do you guys know what I mean by faking it? Like mm -hmm. we have this idea that Christ has called us to a particular flavor of testimony that looks like this and only like this and don't swerve from it. This is what a good Christian looks like. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's true. But we don't always feel that way. And yet, and not all of us are Kathy. She's super transparent. Mo a lot of us, Instead of saying, I don't feel that way today, but here's how I cope with not feeling that way, we fake it. What are some reasons that Christians would be tempted to fake it in a secular environment? I don't know if this necessarily counts, but I always bring up that one church that is just screaming. Oh, Westboro Baptist. Okay, we can say the name. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an issue with... 
with saying that I disagree with how they handle so the yeah. Gospels. <laughs> I will call them out. <laughs> <laughs> so Westboro Baptist, probably two of my least favorite people. And then, like, I found out that there's not even that many. There's of like them. 34 of them. And so, and anyone in that same vein of like on the street yelling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and I'm not like that as a Christian anyway, but I think sometimes I overemphasize that because I don't want non-believers to believe that I'm anywhere close to that. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes that might lead me into the realm of being cowardly or just like quiet about Mm. it. Like my friends are non-believers. So to distance yourself from that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's an... Back to that compromise of what, day two or day three that we did, right? Back to that, how do I stand firm in my value and not yeah. compromise but not be cruel and mm-hmm. unkind and by the way westboro baptist isn't the only yeah there's i mean I, my there if you've ever been to fort myers beach you know there's a guy who has a megaphone everybody who's ever been to fort myers if you've ever been there you're going to know who i'm talking about and he stands and he yells and really is hurtful mm-hmm. and um I'm very proud. I think I said this once on the recording. Very proud of my brother. My brother and my dad go vacation there. And my brother confronted him. And he was like, you are not promoting the gospel. You are hurting the gospel. And I was like, go ahead, bro. (laughs) Um, Once when my daughters and I were going to a Toby Mac concert, I don't think it was that particular church that you, I don't want to give it too much more press, that you mentioned, but it was a group like that who was standing outside of a Christian concert yelling at those of us who were going into the Christian concert and actually yelled at my daughter and said, you call yourself a Christian, look at what you're wearing. Mm -hmm. And she had on a all the way up to her neck sweater that had sort of an open weave in the back. And I almost... I was not a peacemaker that day. <laughs> and I just had to keep walking. And my friends who we were really were like, just keep walking, just keep mm-hmm. walking. As my, I, my, I went full mama bear. Because it was not just mama bear. That was my baby girl. But also my Jesus mm-hmm. that you are misrepresenting. It was visceral for me. So I still feel a little bit right now, even as I say it. Because it's such a, such a violent misrepresentation of the gospel. But you're right. I think we, what I heard you guys say is there's a temptation to represent Christ and come against these horrible representations, even when we're not feeling it. And the truth is, there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for habitual. We talked about ritual last last week um, and litur- liturgy and how some people find that to be empty. But if you really dig into it you can you there's life there there's joy there because it's the habit of doing a good thing even when you're not necessarily feeling it so there's a there's a line there between faking it and and just asking God to help you behave in the way he called you to behave even though you're not feeling it so there's a line there um other ways that the secular culture can help us uh, tempt us to fake our fruit Okay, so now the harder question. How is it um, sometimes that the church culture can create an environment where we fake our fruit? Ooh, yay. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I had mentioned earlier in like an episode previously that I didn't go to church for a long time because I was struggling with the environment and um, it was like a me thing and then also it was like a culture 
thing like within like the church so it was in it was during like was it quarantine i think quarantine but also like george floyd era and so i didn't want to be in a church full of white people i didn't and that like and like still to this day i'm like a little like uh, i want to be with my people but um the i knew that people I, are your people the Jewish people are my people and that's what i had to realize yeah. so I'm not shutting it down, but I just wanted to say it. No, yeah, and that's, I mean, that is the reason why I went back was because that I shouldn't let that Mm -hmm. come between, like, me and my faith. Okay, can I dig into that a little bit? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. We're going to get a little personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let me start by being vulnerable myself. Sometimes in my history... When I get annoyed or feel like a church or a group isn't a place where I feel I can be genuine, that's actually a me problem. Mm -hmm. Not to say that it isn't sometimes a cultural problem, but what I've learned over the years is that other people in that same environment are experiencing blessings. And so it forces me to look at how much of this is me and how much of it is the actual environment. And that's, it's an interesting juxtaposition to what happened last week because one of our participants was talking about the Catholic Church and how she doesn't feel like that ministers to her because of all the ritual and liturgy. And I, as you guys know, I always do, I'm a huge fan of denominations and I think the Catholic church is a beautiful, solid denomination. And some of my closest friends and most faithful um, brothers and sisters in Christ are Catholic. And so I know that that's not true for everybody. Um, And so I guess the big thing is that the Lord works in every environment if you allow him to. Uh, But also Sometimes an environment that feels uncomfortable can be an opportunity for God to do pruning. Does anything about what I said about my experience resound with you? I mean, yeah, that's what it was. Like, it really was like a me problem and like partially only culture just because of like the Mm -hmm. thing that was going on in like the culture at the time. And I think it was um, more me, but like the culture came in because I would see people that I went to school with that are Christians and people like go to our church or, you know, other churches, but like I went to school my school is also a church for anyone that's confused mm-hmm. and um, posting things against like me and other people of color. Yeah. And I was like, how can you be Jesus? Yeah. And be doing that. So and that's why I was like, I and didn't, that's why I said I didn't yeah. want to um, invalidate that because I was, uh, you and I were in relationship during that time. And mm-hmm. I know that one of the things you you and many people of color were struggling with was white people guilt. And like somehow you had to be the one to help them feel better. And that's just a toll that wasn't appropriate to put on people of color during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that there were some valid reasons. So don't let me invalidate that. But I just wanted to broaden the con- context of it that um, I've experienced times where I'm uncomfortable or someone has shared with me an, an experience where they're uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm in that same co- community with you, and I'm, 
I'm loving it, <laughs> you know? And so it's very interesting how God can use that to, if we allow him to show us something that he's actually working on in us. Um, and again, I just want to be really, really respectful of that. Cause I know all the things. That love. Yeah. It was like, it definitely was like a culture thing in the beginning. And then the me part prolonged it for yeah. years. Yeah. But that was part of your journey, you know? And I think that that was an acute and moment. I think what I appreciate is that will be actually be consistent. Uh, and I say that because, um, you see me now and, but I wasn't always like this. And, and if you ever saw a picture of my daughter, my daughter has purple hair, a nose ring, she wears gigantic glasses and she got that from her mother. So, um, and, and I say that because one of the, the question that you asked, I thought when was When I really met you, great. you had pink hair. Right. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Believe it or not, I stopped dyeing it not that long ago. But uh, what we always want to do is belong. And there's this, there's this thing inside of us that makes us want to belong. And so sometimes we fake it in a church because a church has a pattern. And I feel like every church, we, we're struggling now to find a church that fits us so to speak and I don't want to I don't want to McDonald's it and go I just want it I want one of these I want one of those and one of those and I don't want that but I do want to belong and I want to feel like I fit into that community uh, what I love about Jesus is that he is calling all of us to to I've been using this expression a little bit lately it's supposed to be dirty and we're supposed to still love each other so we are supposed messy. to, right, mm -hmm. messy is probably a, a better word. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to look different, sound different, act different, because uh, there's going to be somebody like me somewhere, and they want to be able to see somebody like me when they walk into church, mm -hmm. right? And so um, I think we lose a little bit of that when we try to make our community look a very particular way. Like we have a... a not that a lineup is, I know some people really like comfort and structure, and I know a lot of my family is Catholic, and so, um, but there's also something beautiful to not having structure and to being a little bit messy and then still going, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay walking in and my worship pastor wearing cowboy boots, mm -hmm. right? I'm not, so I say that as a joke, but but that's, I think that there's some beauty to that. And well, diversity, yeah, diverse, for like, sure. And, and, and in all senses of the word, because that causes us to have to be light, to have to be salt, mm -hmm. to have to continue to go gr grow good fruit when the water isn't the cleanest thing in the world or the fertilizer or whatever it might be, right, isn't the cleanest thing in the world because whatever's inside is pushing against all of that. So I think that gives us really great opportunities. I love that you brought that up because I just I, this this physical thing of wanting yeah. to belong is so much a part of our lives. And we are different in so many ways. Um, thank you for that. 100% agree. So I want to end with um, the ways that, that I think we serve each other best, both in a secular and a Christian environment, is to be transparent about the work that's constantly being done in our hearts. So if we're getting it right one day, we point back to Jesus. If we're getting it wrong one day, we point back to Jesus. But we're real and we're honest and we're transparent and we and we are self-aware and we don't pretend that something is happening if it's not. Yet we have faith that it will happen because God promised that it would. And that's difficult. It's hard to be open and, and vulnerable with people. Um, 
in any environment. It's hard for me to do that in my home sometimes. So it's hard for me to do that in my church. It's hard for me to do that in my uh, secular culture. But it's the best way to deliver the gospel because while we were still sinners, he died for us. Um, so the last, I don't have time for John fifteen five, but I'm going to let Kathy have the last word on this week, which is John 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Okay. My verse says, and the darkness did not overcome it. Oh. That's okay. I like it. You're happy. good. You're good. Okay. So good. Good job. Yay, everybody. Good job. This program is produced by Study with Friends. Learn more about us at studywithfriends.org. And sign up there for email devotionals or download our Bible studies for free. If you are blessed by our work, please consider supporting our ministry with a donation. We believe in the local church. Please find a congregation where you can plug in and experience all aspects of the Christian life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we study with friends.